worked better. Not being under the speaker it seemed to work better. So, you know the resistance to change if we move the table six feet over would be a. And Chuck and I wouldn't have anything to lean on. Chuck, Chuck needs it. You need your stool. Yeah, you need your stool back. Pull an X here on the carpet. So, adjusting the volume levels a little bit. They always change on that. They're never. It's never constant. It's a very strange thing. But anywho, new sound. It's the sound guy's fault. So, as she's moved on, bigger and better things. And even like I guess yesterday, changing things with different dynamics. So, anywho, well, good morning. We're continuing our study of life of Christ. Um, here's what we use. This is what I use. Anyways, fourfold gospel, McGarvey and Pendleton, Padfield.com's got some notes. Uh, chronological study of the life of Christ by Gene Taylor. I'm going to tell you that 99% of what Chuck and I use out of that, we call it an outline. That's, <laughs> that's what we've used it for. So, you know, it's an outline. And it does. It helps to get it, keep us moving. It puts things in a certain order. That, hey, this is the next event in his life. And it's been a good, it's been a good outline. It's kept us moving and stuff and looking at stuff. So today we're going to talk about stones. Um, but to be honest, it's really about the people throwing stones. But I didn't really figure it out. I officially ought to call it stoners. So... <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but it's really probably that's the gist of it is looking at the people who are ready to throw stones. So, um, we're going to look in text today is going to be in John, the end of chapter seven and the beginning of chapter eight. Chuck covered some of this last week, and uh, so what he covered, I'm going to try not to cover, but at least set the setting for where we're at. So, in John chapter seven, verse forty through forty-four, said so Chuck covered this. <laughs> when they heard these words, some of the people said, This really is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David? and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, why did you not bring him? The officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, Have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before, who was one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. All right, so that's the text that we're going to start out with. Like I said, Chuck covered most of this. The setting is they're at the Festival of Booths. So they're back in Jerusalem. They're at the Festival of Booths. So basically, Jesus had been speaking at the temple or in the temple area. Let me put it that way. I mean, he wouldn't qualify. He's not a priest, so he wouldn't probably be in the holy. He definitely not in the holy of holies and not. Probably not even the holy. He'd just been that inside that area. That would be my guess. Wouldn't you think that way? What is it? Solomon's porch? Yeah. Or the uh, court of the Gentiles, possibly. Because they're big. That's a big area. Big area. Yeah, the court of the Gentiles, I would almost think, would be for the Gentiles, wouldn't it? Those who would be uh, proselytes or something, or, or looking at least that direction. 
So yes, Solomon's Portico, Solomon's Porch, probably, probably the area it was. Um, with him, the way he drew crowds, who knows where. So I mean, it, it, where, it seemed like wherever he went, there was a crowd. But that would be my guess. I didn't look any farther, but anyways. So some people knew him as a good man, and others said he was leading people astray, and the leaders of the Jews were looking to kill him. That's pretty much what we have right now, and that Chuck covered some of this up to that. Some of these people are really, you know, like this, what we see here. They see him as a prophet. Some say he's the Christ. Others, there's, they're leading people astray. You know, is, is Christ to come from Galilee? As the scripture really said, you know, the scripture says he should come from the spring of David, from Bethlehem. Uh, duh, that's where he came from. And they, you know, they're putting this doubt in people's minds that he didn't come there for whatever. And the leaders of the Jews, they can't stand him. Uh, they're looking to kill him. And this is the theme that you see here. They're looking to kill him. Uh, as he goes into the temple and starts teaching, you see that people marvel at his teaching. They hear it. They marvel. They, how did he learn so much so fast? He speaks with such authority. Others ask, you know, isn't this the guy that the Pharisees and them are looking for? If he's right here and he's just free to speak, why don't they arrest him? You know, why don't they just go ahead? So there's, there's that. And the leaders of the Jews, they don't want blood on their hands. They sent officers. They sent somebody else. They commissioned somebody. You go arrest Jesus. They don't want that blood on their hands. So they commissioned somebody to go do that. On the last day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. I guess this isn't really the last day, but it was the day previous to that. How about that? Uh, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This is the spirit which would be given on Pentecost and thereafter for those who believe, repented, were baptized, received forgiveness of sins, following his death, burial, and resurrection. So anyways, that's what happened just before this. Jesus spoke. He talked about what would flow out of his heart, uh, rivers of living water. That is, the spirit and even says that in the verses. So we'll just leave it at that one. How did the people respond to his teaching? Oh, I don't have candy. I got stones, though. So I can throw stones and... <laughs> uh, I thought about grabbing a handful of rocks, just for, but I didn't. So, anyways, so how did the people respond to his teaching? You know, well, a lot of these people do. They're believing him, and they're, you know they're listening to what he has to say. The ones that don't listen, they don't believe. Chuck. But they did crowd around him, so they wanted to hear more. They want to hear more of his teachings. They didn't really know who he was. I think some people who said, this is the Christ, this is really a prophet, I'm, they may have been more emotional and say, I feel like this is who it is. And then you have the reasoning group that says, ah, came from Galilee, can't be. So they knew the scriptures. They were reasoning, yeah. but they didn't have enough information. And that's a danger we have if we look at something and we don't have all the information, we draw a conclusion. Right. That, that can be very dangerous, as it was for these people, because they, they said, oh, he, he's not the Christ. He's, yeah. he's from Galilee. They didn't know. So you had different responses, but all in all, the people really didn't know that much about him, except to see what 
authority he had. And they weren't looking at that. You, you see what they have. They, they didn't really talk about his authority. His authority was what he got through the Spirit. The Spirit showed he had the authority to teach what he taught. No, that's not mentioned at all. But you're right. I mean, you got a spectrum of people, as especially, and you can expect that. A new guy in, hey, what's that crowd over there? Go find out. Some of the people, there's a little bit of everything from their learning and their listening to people who say, you know, this is a prophet, this is the Christ. Um, and like I say, you can't really get the emotion from letters that were written next to each other, and there's no punctuation. Um, but you can figure out about where they stand on this. And there's some that are doubting. Um, are people like that, Chuck, Chuck really said it, are people like that still today? They are. People are still that way. They maybe, some of them act on not having enough information. Um, that's, a, that's kind of a, a worldly thing. People who would not listen, not pay attention, it's like, no, I don't believe. And they never look any farther. And they've never picked up the Bible. And they never studied. They just flat out, I'm not interested. People are still, you know, divided on, is Christ a good man? Was he just a prophet? Was he the son of God? There's people that are divided that way, but it takes looking and listening. Are people divided like that in the world, in the church? Yeah. And unfortunately, the answer is yes. You know, it's, it's in both places. It really is that way. Decisions will be made without enough information and stuff. And... Um, yeah, in the world as well as the church. So moving on to John chapter 7, verse 45. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees and said to them, Why did you not bring him? And the officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, Have you not also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd does not know the law. But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. So Jewish leadership sends for these guys. They commission them to go arrest Jesus. They send for them. Why didn't the officers do what they were authorized to do? Why didn't they arrest him? That, that's pretty much right, right there. They didn't see him do anything wrong. Why are we arresting this guy? So, Chuck? When... They taught the scriptures. I'm sure they just read more than anything else. Didn't add a lot to it. Christ explained why. What was the motivation? What was behind it? Why it was done? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure they, they had never heard anything like that in their entire life. I like that, yeah. Christ comes with the why. They might have read them. Um, as they've read so many things, and we know it came on a scroll. You, and it's not like it was published everywhere. It wasn't like in the pew in front of you. It's not available at the Dollar Tree. You can't put it on your phone. So when they read these things, what did it take to link things together and make sense? And they, but he explained why. Mickey? No, Mickey's just stretching. Okay, I'll take that. That's all right. You know, I, I'm guilty of that, too. I don't want it to be an auction or something. So I didn't really see him do anything wrong. Like you say, if you listened to him for a little while, you made him learn something else. Officers seem to be priests. 
I'm gonna throw that out there. I found that in the notes. What kind of evidence do you see that indicates these guys might have been priests? Nobody spoke like that man. So it might be that. I, I thought this was the temple guard that they sent. Well, I would have always too. Well, temple guard makes sense. But like I said, someone in the notes said, these guys were possibly priests. And it's like, okay, so what evidence you got? But like I said, they've answered him. Um, nobody spoke like this man. These are authorities on what the law, you know, what the, what the word of God said. So they've, maybe they're speaking by authority. When you go down in like, um, like verse 49, when the Pharisees answer them, have you been deceived? Or 47, have you been deceived? Basically, you know, maybe you, you guys are supposed to be experts. Have you been deceived? Have, have you know, in verse 49, but this, this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. So, I mean, the Pharisees are putting even the priests down because they chose to know the law. So, you know, maybe it is, maybe it's not. But if I'm looking for evidence of why it might be priests, this might be too. It's the Pharisees, you didn't do what we asked you to do. You really, this is, they're really uh, full bully mode, nitpicking on the, on the priests. You should have seen this. You should have listened to us. So, like I said, is it, this is what I saw in the notes. I'll just, don't know that's guaranteed, but there's some little evidence there. So 49, this crowd that does not know the law is a curse. What's that tell you about the Pharisees? The Pharisees are saying this. What's that say about them? Correct. If you didn't know the law, you were a curse. You, you know, it is, you're, it is correct. If you don't know the law, you're a curse. But it was the law according to us, not according to God. Right. And... So from that perspective, they were pronouncing a curse on themselves because they didn't know the law. Right. They're, they're pronouncing a curse on themselves because they didn't know the law. Well, you know, you're right. And then when we see, as things proceed towards Jesus' death, how many commandments were broken, how many laws were broken to put him to death. Again, like I said, they put the curse on themselves in that aspect. So, there, yeah. I, I think the more times I teach about the Pharisees, the worse I see them. I, it just, they, they are irritating. I just, <laughs> I can't imagine how Jesus did anything with those guys, nitpicking everything and always trying to trap them. Well, he didn't, he never really missed words with them, though. Yeah. You know, it, we, sometimes we get this idea of, of Christ to say he was nice to everybody. He wasn't nice to everybody. To hypocrites who were against God. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't. 
Yeah, he didn't hold back. Everybody, it's written there 2,000 years later. You see how he said, how he treated him. You know, like I said, how he had to shut, but he had to shut that down. It's just poison is really what it is. So he had to shut them down. Let's move forward to verse 50. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, said to him, them, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. So, not all the men on the Sanhedrin are evil. Nicodemus was on the Sanhedrin. It says right there, he was one of them. Um, I asked the question, well, who speaks up? It's Nicodemus, but you couldn't read that yourself. So Nicodemus speaks up. So questions aren't always great questions. But, uh, where do we know Nicodemus from? Where have we seen this man before? Anybody know Nicodemus? Yeah, Mickey said it. Mickey, Mickey said it? Yeah, said it very low. Very low. Why did Mickey just speak loud? What happens if Chuck and I are sick? We need somebody to teach this class. He, that's it. He visited Jesus at night and he, in secret and he had some questions for him. You know where that's at? You do know where it's at. Where do you find it? Wanda knows. She says it. She doesn't speak very loud either. She's a sandbagger. John 3. John 3. I appreciate that. John 3. John 3, and he starts out in verse 1 through 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. You notice that John 3, you get down to verse 16 or so, everybody can recite that if you've ever watched a sporting event of some sort. You've seen what John 3.16 is. For God so sent to love the world. So that's all part of that passage. That's when Nicodemus went to Jesus. You know him from anywhere else? He went, what's that? Yep, Chuck does. One word answer. Joseph of Arimathea. Anybody got that? John 19, 38, 39. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus was secretly, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came, took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So you have Nicodemus three times. Comes to him at night in John 3. Here in John 7, he speaks up and says, you know, we're not even giving this guy a trial. And then at the end, after Jesus dies, Nicodemus is part of the burial team as they go and give him a, a burial. So, How does the Sanhedrin treat Nicodemus as Nicodemus speaks up? Does our, man judge, does our law judge a man without first giving a hearing and learning what he does? How do they treat him? They pat him on the back like a leper, exactly. You're next. You're <laughs> Are you from Galilee too? I mean, this is like, are you one of them? And they say, search and see, no prophet, no prophet has come from Galilee. No prophet arises from Galilee. Are you dumb? Are you a leper? What in the world are you bringing? They're saying here in full bully mode. They say it loudly, and they say it with authority. 
and it doesn't have to be true. Okay? This is what they're doing. They've done it to even one of their own, Nicodemus. They pin him against the wall. Chuck? Oh, Doug? Where they said, um, if you don't know the law, you're first. Yep, 49. Don't know the law, you're 51. And, and Nicodemus is quoting something out to them. Like, I don't think, yeah. I don't think you guys know. Yeah. Yeah. You, you've broken the law. Do you not know it, or are you just broken, breaking it? Yeah, that's a good point. I, I missed that one. Yeah. So they, they're bringing that curse on themselves. As, so, go ahead. They didn't answer the question. Does, no. the, does our law judge a man without first giving him? Nicodemus put it as a question, but it wasn't really a question. Hmm. You know, you're judging him, and you haven't even had him here to talk to him. Yeah. He's, He's talked back against people who have a huge ego. He's and their response is character assassination. Yes. You're an idiot. Why do I have to listen to you? That's exactly. Exactly. They, they're, they're pinning him against the wall, and they're pushing him away. That's their response. Rather than looking at it, they condemn Nicodemus. In John 3, uh, sorry, I already had that one. Um, here it is. Anyways, if you want to know, there was at least a prophet from Galilee. His name was Jonah. So if you don't know Jonah, <laughs> you know, we know Jonah. And uh, Jonah was, um, in 2 Kings 14.25, it says, He restored the border of Israel from Lebel Hamath as far as the Sea of the Arabah, Arabah, I don't know. According to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, who was from Gath-Hefer. So Jonah was from Gath-Hefer. And according to the notes, it's three and a half miles. I put 3.4, must type wrong, whatever. Gath-Hefer is three and a half miles from Nazareth. Okay, Three and a half miles is how far that away. They, all, they know Jonah. They've asked for the sign of Jonah. You know, this is something they know, Jonah. They're, they're scamming them. Three and a half miles, for those of you who don't know, our address here is 3585 South Park. We are three and a half miles relatively from Garden Street. Okay? That's how far we are from Garden Street. The same distance that Gath Heifer is from Nazareth. So, would you consider Dixie Crossroads a part of Titusville? You know? That's what it really boils down to. Is Dixie Crossroads and the Church of Christ here with the orange carpet, are they in the same place? And we would say, that's only a couple miles down the road, right? This is how, I mean, like I said, this is their evidence. No prophet arises from Galilee. Oh, guy, no, we all know. He's just from down the road. Chuck? The, the Pharisees, the ruling class, were politicians. They knew the parts of the law that reinforced them being able to take the people's money yeah. and control power. But they didn't really understand God. No. And that's the difference, is people who are manipulating the word to get what they want, in this case politicians, as opposed to people who are trying to bring people to God, which they weren't interested at all. Yeah, they're not interested in bringing people to God at all. This is what serves them. And this is where their thing is. It's about their power, their control. All right, if your Bible's got a footnote, it probably says that the earliest manuscripts do not include the following verses. Chapter 7, 53 through 8, 11. 
You know, I don't think I've ever seen that footnote before. I've seen the one in Mark, but I don't think I ever saw, saw this one until today. So yours might include this footnote. I want you to say, don't let this cast doubt on the Bible. Don't let this cast doubt on the faith that the Bible is God-breathed and proper for making us complete and ready to equip for every good work. If you're interested in learning more about how we get the Bible, I recommend this book, How We Got the Bible by Neil Lightfoot. It's actually a pretty easy read. I recommend that book. Um, however, I'm going to tell you, if you have doubts, don't read the book. <laughs> okay? Um, don't read the book. It's, it's really good. Um, it's how we got the Bible. But anyways, that said, uh, notes from McGarvey said this section is wanting in nearly all the older manuscripts. So the older manuscripts are missing this section. But Jerome, a noted historian, right? That's what Jerome is, is a historian. Maybe 346 to 420. Says that at that time, this section was contained in many Greek and Latin manuscripts. Um, these might have been as good or better than the best manuscripts we now possess, but how, whether we regard that as part of John's narrative or not, scholars generally accept it as a genuine piece of history. If you look at how the Bible we have today, don't expect to find a piece of by, uh, a letter signed by Paul in his own handwriting. That don't exist. You know, time has a terrible thing that it does to paper. Um, some of the oldest scraps of manuscript that paste pieced together are about this old, 300, 400 AD. Um, a lot of it's a little bit newer than that. But the guy, a historian at that time, said this was part of it. So they, you know, it was at that time. We don't necessarily have it in some of the older scripts we have. So, And uh, William Hendrickson, the exposition of the Gospel according to John, though it cannot be proved that this story formed an integral part of the fourth gospel, neither is it possible to establish the opposite of any degree of finality. We believe, moreover, that this is recorded here, really took place, and contains nothing in conflict with the apostolic spirit. So these two guys basically said, although textual analysis and stuff cast doubt on whether it was always in the older versions, the question is, we, we all believe this has really happened, and this is something that, anyways, Coppin says, we shall study the narrative as it comes in to us. I'm giving, you, I'm giving you the caveat. Some people may say, don't even look at this. You tell me why, it's a whole different story. I don't know why you wouldn't. But, like I say, it's in, it, it rolls with everything else. But we're going to go on, and I want you to have any doubt that it's acceptable. John chapter 75, verse 53. They went each to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple. But the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. Placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down, wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go 
from now on, sin no more. So, starting with John chapter 7, verse 53. After Nicodemus' question that we looked at, and we looked at it a couple times, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he has to say, what he does? The assembly broke up. After that point, the assembly breaks up. They go home. Jesus himself goes to the Mount of Olives. Uh, it's probably where Lazarus' home is. He probably went back to that for the night. In the morning, he comes back to the temple. Why did the people come to him and sit down? Because he had fish and crackers? They came to hear him. We've heard him the last several days. We want to hear more. They gather around, children. And come, hear the, come hear him. How did Jesus respond to these people? Like he sat down and taught them. That's you know. That's even the next part. You know, he didn't <laughs> say that again. I said the idea behind a stool to sit on up there is probably a good idea. Yeah, you're right. In this aspect, it is. It's a good idea. And I like a class where you can sit down. I do. I do. You know, this is. It's kind of a weird setting. I don't like the stage for that same kind of thing. But I like to be a part of teaching. Um, I know we used to have it. We would teach from about halfway, and it was, you were closer to everybody and stuff. And this is, so he sits down among them, and he teaches them. So he's, he's on their level. He's not, he teaches them. The, uh, to be additive, yeah. those are those who hunger thirst thirst after righteousness, they should be filled. They were hungry. Yeah, they're hungry. They're hungry. They're there. First thing in the morning, you know, this is break of dawn. We're, we're, where is he? I know he's coming. I want a good seat. There, there. They didn't, uh, they didn't directly, there, there. Verse 3, the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placed her in the midst. They said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? So in the spirit of the division, which is what we see constantly from the scribes and the Pharisees, they interrupt this religious discussion. These people have come there first thing in the morning. Jesus has come. They're sitting there. They're learning. They're te he's teaching. They're learning. They're having a religious discussion. And these guys bust in. Okay? As a student, how would you feel about this scene? They just bust down those doors. Swing them open. Whoa, stop right there. We got this woman. We caught her in adultery. Stop what you're doing. Close down the PowerPoint. She's been caught in adultery. Your students, how do you feel? Chuck? Oh, no, really? That would be showboating? No. There's a, there's a lot of... Uh, yeah, there's a lot of drama in this. Couldn't they have waited till later? You know, some of the questions I'll ask about the same thing. Yeah, they just they bust into the middle of a Bible class with this. With this, what's a woman look like? Tiff, calling your English degree right here, your actress thing. If you're going to set the scene for a drama. What's she look like? What's this woman caught in adultery? In the act, what's she look like? 
I mean, I would assume that she would look like she was maybe even half clothed, like you know, like they caught her in the act. You in know? the she act. Probably got a robe or something, but you know, yeah. Half clothed at best, right? Yeah. I'm with you. If you're going to bring her, don't just bring some woman. You're going to, because that's what, and they're making this charge, and it's a show. You got to bring, you got to bring the show. And this is probably what they've done. They brought her in that kind of a condition. What? Yeah. What's that? It takes two. What? You're taken away from the show. Shh. No, those, you can't. Yes, you're right. Um, you're right. Actually, it's right here. Uh, well, there it is, the last one on there. Where's her partner? Right? You can't really be engaged in adultery by yourself, you know? Chuck? Incorrect. Yes. Because these people who are protecting the people of the law, it doesn't say commanded us to stone such woman. No. It says commanded us to stone both of them. We're going to get to that. <laughs> I promise. Uh, I don't promise. I'm going to try. I'm going to try to get to that. But you're right. So they bring in this woman who's probably half clothed. They, I mean, she looks like she's, you know, they caught her and they're dragging her in. And she, maybe it's a total show when they just have somebody. You know, what do the scribes know about her? She's married. It's adultery, right? So she's married. And there's other, um, so they know her, she's married. Like I said, there's another one. He's married too. I know one of them doesn't have to be married. But this, the law, when you look at somebody, it, it looks a little different. Um, did they need to bring her to Jesus? No? Why? What's that? What authority did he have? They don't like him. They don't trust him anyways. He's not, he's not the Sanhedrin. He's not the judge. He's not, he's a guy. They why bring him to Jesus. They're in Jerusalem. They're at the temple. Couldn't they not have found a better place? Couldn't they not have found, waited, like I said. They've done this as a show. Doug? Yeah. Catch him in a lie, diminish him, character assassination. Anything we can do, we catch him in one lie, he's broken the entire law. That's all it takes. Yeah. That's it. That's, you're right. Nicodemus' question, how does, does the law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? Are they offering her a trial? No. Are enough for due legal process? Since we caught him in lies before with the, uh, the prophet from Galilee, is stoning an appropriate sentence for a woman guilty of adultery? Chuck's brought, Chuck brought out part of that. I'm going to see if I got the right word. I'm going to put verses from Deuteronomy 22. If you're really interested in the, the, uh, the penalty for sex crimes, there's a whole section. Uh, in verse 22, if a man is found lying with the wife of another man, both of them shall die. The man who lay with the woman and the woman, he shall purge the evil from Israel. Like Chuck said, married man, married woman, they both shall die. Okay, Purge that evil from Israel. 23, if there is a betrothed virgin and the man meets her in the city and lies with her, then she shall bring, 
Then you shall bring them both up to the gate of that city, and you shall stone them to death with stones. The young woman, because she didn't cry for help, although she was in the city. And the man, because he violated his neighbor's wife. You shall purge the evil from their midst. The next set of verses are for the virgin who is attacked outside of the city gates. It's even different. She is not condemned, because if she yelled for help, there wasn't anybody to help her. The guy is condemned. So, anyways... What I do see in verse 23 and 24, the death is by stoning. It's, it's prescribed there. The verses before 22, it's prescribed as stoning. The married man and the married woman, it just says they should die. It doesn't say by stoning. Stoning is a very strange thing. My understanding of it, it is not what I would consider a hand-sized stone whip at somebody's head. Bigger rocks, bigger things. They do it outside the, anyways. It's a bigger thing. But is stoning the appropriate sentence for this woman only if you bring the guy to? That's really, that's really the truth, and maybe not even stoning. But Old Testament, hard rules. Uh, this they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. As they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once before he bent down and wrote on the ground. Once more he did. So why did they bring the adulterous woman to the religious discussion and ask Jesus if she should be stoned? To interrupt, to make Jesus look bad. If his one answer is uh, yes, if he says yes, she should be killed, he, uh, they would have hailed him before the Romans who made it Illegal for the Jews to assess such a penalty. Anyways, the Romans said the Jews weren't allowed to kill somebody for this. So they would have made sure the Romans know if he said yes, she should die. If he said no, recommended mercy, they would have placed him at variance with Moses and made him a lawbreaker then. Ain't no winning. Yes, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. So quite the trick question, okay? That's what they brought to him to interrupt the religious discussion. Chuck? It's time after time. It's just there to trap him. And they, they hound him all the way to the cross. Or on the cross. Let me put it that way. Past the cross. They continue to hound him. Is Jesus' immediate response, what was Jesus' immediate response to the question? He doodles on the ground. Is he drawing or is he writing? He's writing. There are some people who try to guess what he was writing. We don't have that answer. If it was important, we'd have that answer. Um, so he was, yeah. So he was, like I say, doodling, writing. Um, one of the notes I saw, this is the only instance of Jesus writing that we have in the Bible. The fact that his writing being quickly trampled underfoot strongly suggests that the only other instance of deity's writing, namely, that of God's inscribing the tables of stone, the Decalogue too was quickly trampled underfoot spiritually. Anyways, so you have Jesus writing as this scene 
continues. It's trampled by people's feet. The Ten Commandments the same way. God wrote the Ten Commandments. The people, their feet were all over it. Um, and the, it was broken. So it's a good analogy. We'll take it for what it is. So uh, continuing in the full bowling mode, they continue to ask him the same question. It says, as they continued to ask him in verse 7, he's, he's ignoring them. He says, you know, he knows. This is total show. He's ignoring them. And they continue. What do you say? What do you say? Is she guilty? Is she guilty? Should we kill her? Should we kill her? They stay on it. He finally responds, these experts in the law, not people who think they should be accursed because they don't know the law. These are the experts. What does he respond to them with? Let him who was without sin among you be the first to throw a stone. Do I have the next one? Yeah. Deuteronomy 17, on the evidence of two witnesses, or of three witnesses, the one who is to die shall be put to death. A person shall not be put to death on the evidence of one witness. The hand of the witnesses shall be first against him to put him to death, and afterward the hand of all the people. You so shall purge the evil from your midst. It would take, like I say, a trial. It would take two witnesses, three witnesses. It couldn't be, and they came in there and condemned her. She is guilty of, of this. There was probably somebody in the crowd, like I said, they caught her in the act. That guy may have been there. He would have been fully clothed in all likelihood and not look like he was guilty. They've covered him up in the aspect of not letting him be guilty. Um, she may have been raped to put this on, you know. Again, more guilt. But um, there are witnesses. If she's guilty of if she's guilty of that, there's probably witnesses right there who will not speak up. They're present, but they won't speak. When they heard it, and they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one. Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go. From now on, sin no more. He said, I think there was witnesses present. If they caught her in the act, they brought that guy too. If they created the act, he's there too. How did the witnesses respond? Okay. You're, you're right. She, you're right. She is guilty of that. You're right. I'm going to, because actually I have that in there. You're right. Um, I was not speaking correctly. Because um, he does. He tells her, he knows she's guilty of it. Because uh, he says, go and sin no more. Even though, good. Yet one more time, really? Yeah, yeah. He just absorbs it. Yeah, and he shows her mercy. So, like I said. Been different. Hit both of them there. I mean, I don't say that he was drug her out the outside of the city and stoned her, but um, yeah, it's changing. Let's go with Brent and Chuck. He wasn't a witness, and nobody else was 
There wasn't a trial anyways. But yeah, you're right. For the, the, the sentencing part of it, there would have had to have been a witness throw the first stone. Chuck? No. You're right. That's what God wanted all along. I agree with that. I got anything else there? Um, anyways, they dropped their stones one by one, if they were holding stones. One guy had Cool Whip, a live chicken, and a weed eater, I think. <laughs> Steve got a laugh out of it. Anyways, know the song. Anyways, um, her response is, like I said, there's nobody here to condemn me. So she's humble. Uh, like I said, Susan pointed out, she's sinned and Jesus knows it, but she's humble. She's not, she's not out on Snapchat or TikTok creating a big scene. She knows what was just done for her. And she also knows that probably wasn't a place that it should have been done. So there's Susan's slide. She innocent. She's not guilty. Is she guilty? Correct verdict's not guilty. She's not innocent. She doesn't have anybody that can prove that she's guilty, so the verdict is that she's not guilty. So, uh, check the next lesson next week, and I just want to point these out. Hillel goes through chapter eight. There's a lot of good sayings. I am the light of the world. Uh, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, know that I am He. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham I was. It finishes, and I want to tie this in today's lesson. It finishes in John chapter eight fifty nine. With people who don't want a trial, they don't want testimony from witnesses, they're dead set on killing Jesus to shut him up. In 8.59, the end of chapter 8, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. This is the same thing that you saw here. They were trying to kill him at the start. They bring in the, the adulterous woman, ready to stone her. They wanted Jesus exactly the same way. So thanks for joining us here this morning. Thanks for joining me. Thankfully, nobody wanted a stone thrown at them. Uh, if you want candy, come see us.